be full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show. And I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. This is episode 53 of The Dispatchist, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Stop, Be- don't say it. Oh, Don't say okay. his name. Can I, Jeez, what if I, what if I, almost, what if I spelled it differently? So close. You could say Juice Demon. Juice Demon. <laughs> Party City Foul. <laughs> So, uh, who are my co-hosts today? I'm Jacob. Not it. I'm it. Damn it. <laughs> okay, let's let's try this. With me this week is Jamin. Hello! Victoria. Present. And Liz. Hey, yeah. <gasps> Hi, Liz! Pleasure Hi. to be here. Thanks for having me. Liz is a friend of ours from the Morbid Anatomy community. She We met her when she was talking about the many images of Pan across the centuries. And she is starting her own project very soon. Do you want to talk about that for a moment before we talk about? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have this this podcast in the works. My friend John Carroll and I, it's called Hierophantastic, Exploring Awe and Wonder and the Numinous. And, you know, we've been working on it for a long, long time, but it is going to hit reality in January, February, we're hoping. Oh, Inspired oh by you all. Reality is kind of a stretchy concept with your topic. It is. It is very stretchy. That's With, that's part of the joy. Nothing tangible about it. It's just sort of themed around the numinous. The numinous. I mean, our main goal is to like break down binaries. So like, can we hold science and religion and spirituality and all these things in our heads at the same time or not? I think we can. So we're trying to be not reach any conclusions. That's our goal. That sounds very Boolean. Mm, perhaps it is. <laughs> perhaps it is. Perhaps it's not. I'd li- <laughs> Both could be true. I'd like and to not re- true. <laughs> I'm going to word right. drop latitudinarianism in here because I like being able to drop that word in. That's mm-hmm. believing something but knowing another, which I think oh. is a, a, a rhetorical bad habit. You know, I've always hated philosophy, but now I love it. I think I just didn't understand it. But that's <gasps> what it's all about. Is like let's just talk about all these things that are unspeakable, articulate mm-hmm. the inarticulatable, all of that stuff. And reach no conclusions, like allow it to just be liminal and floating. You know, there's an entire level of hell devoted to this. There you go. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. Which level can you give us the limbo? Oh, that's okay. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna ask for like the Dewey Decimal number of that level. (laughs) That's a lot of levels. That's like (laughs) Buddhist hell levels. (laughs) <laughs> so Liz, can you give us a, a teaser about some of the subjects you'll cover within this realm? Yes. Well, I mean, one of the things we're trying to cover is really dichotomy. So things like science, which we're all fans of science, believers, quote unquote, in science. Mm-hmm. But aren't there many other ways to see the world? And can all of those things happen at the same time? There's room for the unknown as well as the known. So we're trying to push back on things like like science, even though we love science. I think that it's uh, kind of clouded our ability to see all these other ways of understanding the world, experiencing the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about science, but then jump off from there. So maybe we'll start with something like about neurology and Ooh. how the brain reacts. 
as it dies, as one example. But <laughs> even if that's technically true, I feel sorry for your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's much more manic than I. I will say. Okay. So hopefully we're a good counterbalance for each other. He he will spiral off, and I'm trying to be the grounded one, which is not my forte necessarily. So that's why <laughs> oh, we that's... haven't gotten one off the ground yet. Perhaps we've just been talking, talking, talking. We got to kind of focus. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't, I don't think we've ever focused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess Jacob is kind of our tether, maybe. When, when I have I'm my definitely med- out of focus. When I'm on uh-huh. my medication. It's, <laughs> I'm excited about that, hearing about the brain, because, yeah, that is a, that's a really interesting one, especially yeah. close to, to death. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, I'm all about death. So whenever we can talk about death and things that people turn away from, like, let's turn towards them for a while and, Sit with the discomfort, sit with the lack of understanding and just let that, let that be. It's yeah. okay. Our, mm-hmm. our first kind of contact with you, you were talking about death cafes. Is that yeah. still a thing? It's still a thing. Yeah. I didn't start it by any means, but I'm no. doing it. Every month we do virtual death cafes and quarterly we go hang out at Hollywood Forever Cemetery near Ooh. Johnny Ramone's grave and have nice. death cafe picnic. And all are welcome to these. They're great. And it's a real liminal space to be, right? You can bring all those questions that no one wants to talk to you about. Bring them to Death Cafe, and we'll talk about it. Nothing's off limits, as long as it's death-oriented, of course. So, yeah, death is great. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I mean, it's going to happen. So It's going to happen, right? <laughs> Accept it. Accept it. And, you know, we all love Satan and hell and death and all these ideas about where we go afterwards and all these characters, like the guy we're going to talk about tonight, <gasps> connection yes. to death. I mean, that's part of why we love him, right? Mm-hmm. Leonard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leonard. <laughs> We don't, Lenny. we don't talk about Leonard. No, no, no. <laughs> I have him in my notes somewhere. So how could people find the death cafes? Yes. Well, I have got a, a new website that's called Lilibet Sugar Bones that I recommend everyone check out if you have any interest. And I've got info there about morbid anatomy talks, about the upcoming podcast. I'll cross-reference with you all once we get this out there. Yay. Death Cafe. Lots of good stuff. So that's kind of my home base. Lilibet Sugarbones. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Woo, well, thank you. Before we get started, <laughs> does anybody have anything for the party? Yeah, I have a drink. Oh. It's very fitting, as you might expect. Uh, it is called a Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice cocktail. Oh, no. That was two. That was two. Say it again. Be careful. Okay. Is no, there, there like were, a time? There was, a, a, there was a space between the words. You could hear it. Mm. Okay. Is it like every 15 minutes? There's a, you can say it. a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the juice demon cocktail is a chartreuse, one ounce of chartreuse, three quarter ounces of gin, a quarter ounce of Midori, one ounce of pineapple, three quarter ounce lime, one quarter simple syrup. And you're going to love this garnish, Jacob, because it's a cucumber ribbon and a cucamelon. <gasps> Yay. So that's very... I thought she was, was going to say cilantro. <laughs> so it's a no. cucamelon wrapped in a ribbon? Oh, I think you... Well, the the, cuca, the cucumber ribbon is on a skewer, kind of placed across the drink hmm. very hmm. Uh, elegantly. And I think the cucamelons are just kind of gathered nearby. Oh, okay. So they're just so. inferred. They're, they're mourning their cousin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're witness. They're witnesses. To the carnage, <laughs> the skewered carnage of their of their ancestors. If you haven't had the pleasure, a cucumelon or a mouse melon is like a tiny inch long cucumber that looks like a watermelon, but tiny. 
This is why we need to learn taxidermy so we could actually make some taxidermy mice that can hold the cucumelons. Oh, we God. Gotta do it. We gotta do it. <laughs> See, I'm so glad Liz is here because she she is totally on board with all the things that freak y'all out. I just gave away some taxidermy this morning in a parking lot. That's what happened to me. I gave it away. Interestingly, <gasps> wow. the taxidermy that belonged to the uncle who passed away when I was oh, visiting you all in Austin. Oh. So it all comes full circle, right? It does. I circle love that of- it happened in a parking lot. <laughs> Where else? Exactly. Where else? <laughs> well, I brought some entertainment. Okay. Being infected by dropsy along with the unmannered and slothful. Okay, so explain to me. I've never really understood what dropsy is. I mean, it sounds like a Beatrix Potter mouse name, but it's swell <laughs> it's 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 unspecified swelling and probably heart failure. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, blah blah blah. What's the word? Edema of the skin? Well, that oh. would be a, I think that's edema of the skin, isn't it? Is that puffy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe like may your, I, your socks leave marks. Okay, yeah, because it's just sort of general swelling, not non-specified. I mean, it's medieval swelling. Okay. It's, okay. Ergo, the kind of whimsical name for a horrible, horrible disease. Right. 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 Like, like a lovely pet mouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh at dropsy. Well, to, <laughs> uh, to. <laughs> too late. To actually compliment Victoria's drink, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around. It's I brought, green. Yeah, it's very green. Does chartreuse uh-huh. louche or no? It's Oh, it's very louche. Yeah. Wait, uh-huh. no. <laughs> yes. We had this conversation before where it's like... About louche? Yeah, about louche. Where We're going to have a podcast. Does it louche? Does it louche? <laughs> but no, it was with, um, with Eric. Acorns. Do they louche? Like, oh, Yes. And I, I had like I had like my cleavage showing, and they were both like, "Oh, you look very loose tonight." Oh. And I was like, "Are you I like convalesce in water? I don't know." <laughs> it just means kind of like oh, oh okay. So TV's Lucifer, Tom Ellis is loose. Yeah, like sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I meant turns cloudy when you add water. Oh as, no! Like, like as, absinthe. As, no, as we all it's do. Clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it is louche in kind of the sense of like somebody wearing, you know, an Armani suit and, you know, kind of apartment, fancy leather apartment slippers. And very green. Would drink, yes. It's made by monks, though. But what did you bring to the party? I brought <laughs> dried crickets, barbecue flavor. Ooh, oh. that's a good one. Wait, this came up recently in some context. Uh, do you remember our friend Jason, who were always trying to make him eat a bug? And okay. it was like, eat a bug, eat a bug, I'll, Jason. I'll buy that. So, no, it was on the Great British Bake Off. They had, yeah, I was going to say. They had barbecued crickets as a surprise inside of a cake ball. Mm-hmm. What? Um, ja- Janusz. Janusz. Does, does Janusz yeah. loosh? I would say uh, <laughs> Sandro is more loosh. Wow. Anyway, barbecued crickets. <laughs> so there's a scene when... The the fly and a fly is not a cricket, but the fly comes in and he gets drugged down. And everybody like there's there's chewing sounds. Mm-hmm. Like I have forced mealworms and dried crickets and silk bugs on lots of my friends, and this one brand out of Austin, they're very polite and they take the legs off first mm. before they roast them and coat them in barbecue sauce. So they just look like little pe- brown pellets, and they taste like barbecue sauce. It's nothing objectionable. It's just you're eating a bug. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Are they well, nutty? 
They taste nutty. Not really. They taste kind of like protein powder. Yeah. Okay. Not the worst. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. when you're done, wash it down with a Beetlejuice. <gasps> building on last week's building on last week's snack, I also shared a bag of licorice flavored Ricoli cough drops with Jamin, imported from mm-hmm. Germany. Oh, licorice. Tasty. Are you are you part of the licorice cult, Liz? I'm a fan of licorice. I'll say <gasps> it out loud. We are too. All Excellent. Of us. I wonder Good if there's people. a is there a connection between deaf people and licorice people? Perhaps. I feel like there there might be probably <laughs> correlation for sure. Uh huh. Like salty licorice. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you're. I think I think we're on to something. <laughs> well, I I made you all very special gifts. Oh, as a guest. Oh, sweet. So the thing I brought to the party is I made these really large kind of dangerous sculptures for each of you <gasps> oh, that I hope that you will display prominently in your home <laughs> and kind of in memory of me and, and my great talent. So I'm going to hang, hang you. I'm hanging mine over the front door as we speak. Nice. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> mine looks like it needs a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I might hug you back. <laughs> well, th- uh, thanks. Thanks. Liz. Thanks. That's Liz. my pleasure. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before you start our actual topic, which is Juice Demon, do we have any fell news? I have uh, some hell rumors. Is this about Johnny Depp? Yes, it is about, well, it's about Johnny Depp plus a lot of other people, including Tim Burton. Oh. That the sequel to Juice Demon that has been in the works for decades is finally probably gonna happen it's awesome. probably like yeah as of february it's supposed to be kind of underway with winona writer <gasps> michael keaton and really he's in there yeah oh, and i think Catherine o'hara signed on nice and yeah there's a rumor about johnny depp as well and mm-hmm. tim burton is kind of like they think he's probably gonna do it so yeah. How, could he, how could he not fall into that black hole? But it doesn't seem to be anything like the other proposed sequels that we may end up talking about. Hmm. So, so fingers crossed this will happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something to live for. Yep, 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 yep. But that does take us to our topic, which is Beetlegeist. Let's <laughs> see, way to get around um, it. About to go supernova if it hasn't already gone supernova. How would we know? Someone, someone should text it. Are you feeling okay? So it had like a 250 Kelvin drop in surface temperature, uh-huh. which is like 10%, which is what stars do just before they go supernova. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that sounds kind of like that book that I sent you all the link to earlier about what if it's it? Um, the very things you should know. Yes. <laughs> Will it explode? Yes. <laughs> and if so, how does this affect me? i went to a bunch of science blogs is will this wipe out all life on earth Mm -hmm. and then i like the title it's like the title is will this wipe out all life on earth colon no (laughs) short article i like it yeah thank you i appreciate that author easy answer okay so does anybody know why i i looked there was a lot of reference to the choice of that name as opposed to other names like Scared Sheetless 
And what was it? Uh, something there was something about a haunted house, but I think it was just the pretty, haunted house. The haunted house. <laughs> yeah, some some really bad movie. The the script went through a lot of revisions and mm-hmm. a lot of names. Yeah, thankfully those were in the past. I don't know why they settled on Beetlejuice in particular as the name of this film. There, it's got some mythic undertones that we might reference, and Beetlejuice falls into the constellation of Roman mythology that it draws from. So That's maybe true. we'll get to that specifically in reference to the planet Saturn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Just a side note, and this is something maybe when we do our podcast of Eternal Return on this episode, Warren Scarin's papers are at the Ransom Center, uh-huh. and it contains the script to this movie, oh. as well as the sequel that he wrote. I'm so oh, really yes, yes that may be mm-hmm. a that may be a, a next October return or something because I mm-hmm. I could that stuff is not on the internets and it is not yeah mm-hmm. so it has all the correspondence all of the yeah everything regarding <laughs> the Juice Demon movie oh the the endless <laughs> and suffering Batman. the endless mm-hmm. suffering of working at a community college <laughs> exactly yeah so all this stuff is near you <laughs> but yeah um but yeah so um. Someday we'll go, we'll look at the Crowley papers, do a little side side trip into the Scarin papers. So I just submit our Ransom Center uh, research requests early and say, hey, <laughs> let's go spend a day with some white gloves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sequel to Beetlejuice, sequel to Rocky Horror. <laughs> but that one already happened. No. But okay, okay, we've had this argument before. So you're saying that Shock Treatment is not a sequel. I'm saying that Shock Treatment is not the sequel that Richard Burton wanted it to be. Okay. There's another Richard one. Richard O'Brien? There's another one where the cast goes to Planet Transsexual. Oh, shoot. I didn't know yeah, that. It didn't happen, but that that was the, the true spiritual sequel. It just is unreleased. Liz, have you seen Shock Treatment? I haven't seen it. I feel bad. Don't. It's. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was kind of. You kind of have to. It's it has not, it. It's not, it's not good. terrible. But it's not terrible. It's a, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it sounds provocative. It's provocative. Well, yeah. it draws strong opinions in the Rocky horror community. Yes. I understand that. I mean, there's really only the one. How can you follow that up? I mean, well, mm-hmm. you, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or, or you go with Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, okay. Liz, I've never heard of that. I want to say this as a compliment. <gasps> I think you would like shock treatment. I feel like you would resonate with it and enjoy it because. You are a better person than I am. <laughs> Given. Who didn't yep. enjoy it. Who knows? It's only marginally watchable. Um, how do we tackle this movie though? This this Beetle substance movie. I'm I'm floating that we kind of look at it in five stages: the uh, the prelude stage, the invasion stage, mystery stage, uh, crossing the threshold, and the call to action. I like it. It doesn't quite match up with the hero's journey. It doesn't <laughs> at all match up with the hero's journey. But I'm going to shoehorn that in if I can. I like okay. that. Who's the hero? Who's oh, we all, we, all, we all are. We're all on a journey together. Through this film. I think so. Okay. So it's our own journey. Yes. All right. Um, a question, though. Uh, this is a reverse haunted house sort of film. It's about the living invading the uh, land of the dead. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I'd like to know if you think it compares well to that uh, that lighthearted comedy romp that Nicole Kidman appeared in, uh, The Others. Interesting question. Yeah. I mean, they're both very uplifting films. <laughs> they are. They are. They're b- very death positive, I would say. I th- really? Yeah. You well, disagree? I, 
Well, I, I mean, Beetlejuice is a comedy film, and I think it does embrace death on some levels, or the inevitability of it, or at least establishing a relationship with it. The Others is is more of a horror film, and it's more about mm. um, the fear of the unknown and trying to force it back in a way. So, I think there's nothing in common between these two films, but they definitely seem to attack death from different angles. I think I would argue there is something in common. I like that you made that comparison. I mean, doesn't Nicole Kidman at the end of The Others, I mean, can we give away endings? Oh, it's, yeah. it's 10 years old plus. <laughs> you gotta see it. Yeah, everyone's seen it, right? Yeah, but yeah. she kind of like owns the fact that she's a ghost, right? It's kind of like they go through the process of kind of figuring out what's going on and discovering what they're about. And like, all right, we're owning this. We're ghosts. We're haunting this. We're not leaving our house. Kind of but- like the Maitlands are like, okay, we're living here. We're going to make the most of this. Like they're all like embracing their ghost selves in a kind of awesome way. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, I feel like in Beetlejuice, we know that the people are going to be ghosts for 125 years. They may in fact end up living in the house posthumously with the, with the Dietzes together as, yeah. as dead people. I mean, we can't rule it out, but in the others, uh, Nicole Kidman does, I don't think she realizes she's dead until the flip at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So exactly. It's postponed. Wow. You're not, you're not going to watch it. No, I just, re- <laughs> I just read the plot and I was like, yeah, that would have, that would have just like messed me up. Mm-hmm. What's the one with the red balloon, the red yeah. balloon, <laughs> the, the color red signifies that you're dead. Oh, is it, um, one of those M night Shyamalan ones? Probably where he's I like, I see dead music. people. Oh, the Bruce Willis one. Yeah. Him. My, minority yeah, minority report. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast where we guess and get wrong what? every movie. <laughs> I, um, it reminds me of the first season of American Horror Story to mm. Murder House. The sixth horror sense. movie. The sixth sense. So, so is that really the case? Like everything red? So the same thing. So there's a little boy who's troubled and he, he talks with like, psychologist mm-hmm, or a psychiatrist yeah. they're basically the same thing what yeah <laughs> um and like he goes through everything and he can see the dead and the, the plot twist in the movie is the psychiatrist is also dead yes uh-huh. and so like he's just walking him through and, and like it's a very uplifting wholesome story of coming to terms with who you are but it's that that m night shot blah 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 that plot twist at the end where you sh- and the crowd goes crazy the realization yeah so Nicole been Kidman dead the whole time. is dead. You've been dead the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, of dropsy. Good old dropsy. Wartime Damn. dropsy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Why do I laugh every time you say dropsy? Because it sounds because like, you're a like terrible like person. Because it sounds like a kitten. <laughs> it's one of Peter Rabbit's siblings, I think. Right. <laughs> so just, the more like the the vermilion rabbit. No, what was it? What kind of rabbit Velveteen. was it? The Velveteen <laughs> rabbit? The Vermilion rabbit. No, and his guy. cousin drops Vermilion shows up in Beetlejuice, though. So you're no, Vir- Viridian. But also he says Vermilion. Um, also, he... when he's giving his incantation. His... Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, where is he? What do we do? Looks like we dig, Barbara. Let's tackle the the kind of the prelude phase of this. Uh, we open the movie with a happy couple kind of saying how delighted they are to be able to spend time together at their house. Um, they're doing some home repairs, remodeling. Then they go to visit the town nearby, which leads to their untimely demise over the Winter River Bridge. 
plunging to their plummeting, plummeting to their death over the river winter bridge. A little dog. <laughs> yeah. They returned dog. Yes. They returned to their house dripping. Uh, realize that they're deceased, uh, receive a copy of the handbook for the recently deceased. We visit the Saturn's moon of Titan for the first time when they try and escape their house and realize they're stuck in some sort of bubble, very Star Trek-y. And uh, I would say that's possibly where this phase ends because then we encounter the Dietzes in the next scene. I have to say, I'd never really paid attention to this title sequence before, and it's really pretty cool how it moves from the real world into the model world yes there's just a little shift yeah mm-hmm. i got strong echoes of uh the shining yeah because of the, the overhead tracking shot that it kind of uh-huh. went through but i think mm-hmm. i think burton's done that before well burton hasn't done anything before this film there was peter uh-huh. uh paul, paul and mary no Wee herman Wee's <laughs> big adventure yes what? Yeah. uh-huh yeah tim burton in a lot of ways yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very similar. And there's echoes of Nightmare Before Christmas in Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little skull hat thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. A lot yes. of omens. Okay. A lot of omens in this scene. The, the dog. Um, the dog. Yeah, the dog. <laughs> so dog plus bridge over uh-huh. river is like very Greco Roman. River sticks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three headed dog. The, yeah, the dog kind of oh. ushers them to their demise. Um, <gasps> ushers. So, Reverse psychopomp. Psychopomp. Um, yes, that uh, word needs to be in every conversation. Thank and you for just, putting it, it in. And outside the bridge, there was a sign, you know, you'll be returning soon or something like that. <gasps> I didn't notice that. Yeah. But, like, thanks for coming again soon or yeah, no, what, what was it? Come back again soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The entire town of Winter River, though, I think that kind of has a death signifier to it. Like uh-huh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe this entire place where they can't bring anyone here is like touched by death or something like that. Like the entire area might be kind of have some death images. Maybe that's why it's kind of frozen in time. I mean, one wants to tackle any film with the idea, well, everybody's already dead when they're in there. But I think you mm-hmm. can make a case for it more so than in Zootopia. So Zootopia, so? everybody's dead. <laughs> yes. Wait, hold up. Okay. <laughs> Let's tackle that another time. It's a fan theory. I, that's what they call a spanner in the works. I think <laughs> well so. done. Well done. Do you know what the dog's name is? No. Dropsy. Dropsy the dog. You liar. <laughs> well, it's true because like when the, when Dropsy gets off the little lever, <laughs> kills him. He's a murderous dog. Really. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'll give up that joke now. Is that why? They're ghosts. Like, does everyone have to be a ghost, or is it because they died on a bridge? Like, they Ooh, died crossing, yeah, crossing over. They like, died literally in the middle of the bridge. They didn't go off either end or off the side. They just went through the middle of the bridge, like it crossing be between spaces. They had maybe an unusually omened death with the dog, but I, I kind of think they might have done the unfinished business trope. Yeah, with ghosts, because like the entire film is about remodeling the house. They're const- everybody's constantly remodeling the house. They start this with the mission to remodel the house. So right. it may be that the house is like an ongoing work that can never be finished for them. Mm-hmm. And so that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's some good lines in this scene. Um, they say, where are all the dead people? And someone says, maybe this is heaven. I, I like that. <laughs> and the, then the house is kind of this, it's a waiting room almost of its own because they have to be there for 125 years. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's, we don't know what happens after that. 
this is where my thought process on connections to the Egyptian afterlife started. Really? How so? Because, well, the um, handbook of the recently deceased seems very much like a book of the dead. You're right. That they're consistently reminded (laughs) that they need to read this book before Mm -hmm. they can do anything. Very true. And they need to follow the steps in the book. That that was not my link to Land of the Dead to, to Egyptian mythology. Um, mm-hmm. my, my connection there was through the animated series, the Beetlejuice animated series, <laughs> where on the flip side, uh, the neither world, uh-huh. the characters, they have day jobs and the land of the dead looks mirrors the land of the living, except just sillier and more morbid. But since death is just more of the same and more labor, that's very Egyptian. Yeah. This is a continuation. Yeah. There's a lot of bureaucracy and rules to follow. Very exactly. Much so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know we're, I, I, I don't want to skip ahead, but I want to go back to the animated Beetlejuice series because <laughs> I watched several episodes. It's not good. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm too old for it, but I found it really. And also it's troubling because our Lydia and Beetlejuice, uh, oh, Juice Demon, a couple in this. No, they're they're friends. They're they're just friends. Okay. And you know, a couple right. have touched on that, but they're just friends. <laughs> it's a little worrisome. It goes back to the original script of yeah. Juice Demon movie where there's a lot of like he gets kind of rapey. Well, and I didn't yeah. I didn't really love the animated series, but it was very popular at the time. Like it oh. was quite it was quite successful and had at least mm-hmm. three years of, of episodes. So it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't it didn't work for me because the character was they made him cute and it didn't quite fly when I really liked yeah. the original. Yeah, you didn't think the original was cute. Well, see, I was in high school, so I didn't like cute things at the time. <laughs> and now you do. <laughs> no, apparently not. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're gonna have to. I'm putting a pen in that. Do you want to talk about Saturn now or later? Oh, let's talk about Saturn now. Okay. So Saturn, we get our first image of Saturn during this sequence as well. This is the weird, bizarre world outside the Maitland's house. It's a sandy desert with like strange, twisted Burton-esque architecture and and remnants and cacti and such, and giant sandworms that move through the dirt and threaten to eat people. The sand? Yes, the sand. They're not Um, dirt worms. Dirt worms. (laughs) (laughs) You mean like fur worms? So I one 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 thing running through the movie is like disjointed time. Mm-hmm. The, the house, this, the where we are in the house's construction mm. seems to go back and forth. Mm. And at the end, all of the changes that were made by uh, Delia Dietz are rolled back, as far as we can tell. And the house is kind of what it used to be, maybe even more polished and grand, mm. at least on the interior. We don't think we get an exterior shot. So. This is the moon of Saturn, um, the Titan moon of Saturn. I just call it Saturn. But Saturn is the god of time. And I think that might be an important connection because um, time is is very fluid in this film. The afterlife time is not standard. The timeline of the house itself seems to change. And the the Saturn idea kind of also connects to some of the other mythology of the film. We've got Juno. We've got... um, Beetlejuice, and these are both spirits or goddesses that are related to Saturn, and his his daughter, I think, is Juno. Yeah, I only had only had two time references where she pulls him back and says, "You were gone for hours." 
right? Mm-hmm. That was the first. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of just like, why did you wait for hours before reaching through and pulling him back? Like, why wouldn't you right away <laughs> reach through and pull him back? <laughs> and the second one, I, it was hard to catch. Like, like when they come back from their first meeting with Juno, and she was like, how long were we waiting? She says two months. Was it two months in the house or two months in Juno's office? Well, I think Juno, it was implied that Juno had been there for two months, but it may not matter. Like, it could be intentionally ambiguous. Mm. When, and like a lot of the other things I had were just kind of like sequences of the house construction and things like that that I found a little bit puzzling. Does it relate to the model at all? Because that's another huge thing, like time and space, right? And like, why is there even a model of the city at all? I mean, I know the characters yeah. made it, but like, what does that mean? And like Beetlejuice, they find him in there. But like, why? That's such a weird element to have right this miniature city which which seems to be a gateway for the dead to some degree mm-hmm. because beetlejuice appears there first i kind of think maybe it's like a fairyland almost as as another model for death which would go a long way to explaining kind of the strange time sequences and things like that you also have to remember this was before the internet so he didn't have minecraft <laughs> fair. fair right what else are you going to do in your free time that's true make a model mm-hmm that was my argument at the end. <laughs> and that's, that's, and that, that's one more place where they're like continually building the house, too, because the house exists and they're working on it in the model itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a thing or not. But it, it, I mean, the house is not quite a character in the movie, but it is kind of an ongoing symbol of change and, and something. I don't know. It's always in flux. Hmm. That's interesting because uh, one of the points in the alternate scripts was that they ending they were they ended up moving they they ended up miniaturizing and yeah. moving into their model house and yeah. remodeling that the, the, to live there instead kind of thing mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. deets has got the big house and the maitland's got the small house and everyone was happy ever after really mm-hmm. yeah. yeah interesting yeah so it's almost i don't know like it's kind of a borrower's situation but um <laughs> With more, uh, more home repair skills. With more borrowing. With more, borrowing. more borrowing. But uh, to your point, Jacob. Yeah, an- another po- another thing in one of the earlier scripts was that every time they left the house, they would enter a new dimension, mm-hmm. and one of those was a time dimension with, with like wheels and cogs just oh. kind of ripping time. Very steampunk. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. More dimensional travel. Very kind of Salvador Dali too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these weird escapes mm-hmm. with the clocks melting, and like every time they went to the desert, I thought of those Dali paintings. Mm. Yes, you know, yeah. you got them in your mind's eye with yeah, the the melting clocks and the barren landscapes. Mm-hmm. Well, it see, mm-hmm. seems like there's a very there's a multi level of death in this in this universe because you've got the real world and it's um what it's it's temporal focus or it's spatial focus of manifestation. There's like the real world and a bubble of the dead dead world that exists and overlaps it. You can't see my hand gestures because I have my images turned off. We can and, hear them. Okay. And then there's the desert around that. And then in the animated series, you get beyond that to like the town on the other side of the desert, which is a mirror of the, the real world. And that is a very Mesopotamian approach to death. Kind of the as above, so below, but reversed almost. Mm. And, and actually kind of fits the Mesopotamian model of death too, because the spirits of the dead travel across a desert with dangerous monsters to get to the other other side which is a horrible barren wasteland but it is a horrible barren wasteland that mirrors the city structure of the place they came from 
and they call they call the other land the netherworld, not the netherworld. So that kind of implies that there's it's a transitional state as well. So we don't really know what's beyond that necessarily. There's wanna, an interesting moment that uh, I'm just going to call attention to that, like I didn't catch the first time, and maybe it means nothing, but it's when Delia Dietz and Otho are going up the stairs, mm-hmm. and I think it's when they've first been the first haunting. I guess we're going to get to that in a second. So not to jump ahead, but it relates to the time thing. Yeah. And so they're going up the stairs to the attic to see what's going on. And uh, Mr. Maitland, Adam, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Right? He's rushing up the stairs without his head and he mm-hmm. like rushes past them. Right. But they can't see him yet, but he kind of whooshes past. And Otho's like, did you feel that? And she says, when? <laughs> oh, it's, like, like, it's kind of like implying, oh, she doesn't have feelings yeah. or whatever. Right. But it's like, when? Like did mm. they experience him and like what kind of a time? Like what does that mean? Why does she say when instead of what? Mm-hmm. Like, when? Well, and it's just like a throwaway joke, but I think it has more layers to it. A little gasoline, low torch, no problem. Well, that does take us to the next phase of the movie, which I'm calling the invasion phase, and that's mm-hmm. when the outside bursts inward with a a thunderous roar. Like there's like a clatter and boom of thunder when the Maitlands when the beats is burst their way into the into this environment so liz you reminded me of when they're walking through the house and it just it becomes like the winchester mystery house because they keep going from one room into another room to another room and nothing seems to make sense it seems like just this disconnected series of rooms that Mm -hmm. it's never ending and they even remark upon that there, there is some weird geography geom- geometry in the house. Like when mm-hmm. the big green sculpture bursts in through an upper window, it comes in through the kitchen, which is probably a ground floor room. I'm not. I was wondering I, about that. Yeah, no, I didn't, because the first floor was elevated because the garage was underneath it. True. Oh, okay. okay. So I felt like the whole house was elevated for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like Sand the rooms. house on a hill. It's very vertical. Yeah, yeah. very mm-hmm. vertical. Well, every haunted house is on a hill, like with, with very few exceptions. Good point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can I say one more thing about no, I could, I could hardly stop you. <laughs> I just wanted to ask everybody what they think the sandworm is. A worm in the sand. Okay, that's Literally. thank you, Jamin. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking he, of Jim he watched Dune and was like, <laughs> I'm stealing this concept. It is obviously a Dune reference, right? But also Jim Morrison, right? The the lizard in the yeah. desert, you know what I'm talking about? The lizard mm-hmm. king, mm-hmm. ride the snake, whatever it is. I think it's it's there a manifestation of the demonic forces that you encountered in the Mesopotamian afterlife that are there to devour the dead. Um, it's, the, it's the danger presence in the desert. Okay. Because I was also thinking about, like, is it Leviathan? Is mm. it a pep? Is it um, that, yeah, your other favorite worm dude? Is it all of them? Is it none of them? I, I it, like I like your Mesopotamian Mesopotamian I think, idea. I think it echoes Apep, the the, mm-hmm. the devourer in the other world, but but it's a much smaller and more personal version of the same. Okay, it's right. lowly, but lowly. <laughs> but it's it powers harness to take out Beetlejuice, right? I mean, ultimately, <gasps> yes, yeah. Uh huh. That's true. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> Jamie, it wasn't wearing a little baseball cap. Phase two would be the invasion <laughs> phase. Uh, the outside burst into this world with a big thunderous roar. The moving man slams into the house, dumping all of the Dietz's stuff in there, including their daughter. Delia declares, everything goes along with whatever's in the attic. We meet Otho the first time. And Otho is a bit psychic. Like, he, he's, he's a goober and a clown, but he is sensitive because he's the first one to see the ghosts. 
So let's let's hold on to that a little bit. Um, but I don't have much to say here personally. This is where the comfortable place becomes the bad place. So classically, the haunted house film is built around the idea of the bad place as a trope. People go there and then they have their horrible experiences and maybe they escape. But here, the comfort of home becomes the bad place when the living invades. Functionally, it's it's not much of a bad place, but but I mean that's the horror trope. And the Maitlands invoke Beetlejuice for the first time as well. Yes. He's already watching them, right? He's waiting to be invoked. Yeah, he is. And somehow he gets a slip of paper into their book. We don't know how. He's He's got some power outside the model. Um, so he's clearly not very bound. Mm-hmm. Well, he did, we find out, spoiler, that he worked for Juno. So Oh, that's playing maybe- the long game. <laughs> So maybe while he was uh, working, he managed to slip little advertisements for himself in all of the books before they mm. went out. Uh, this yeah. is this is just Freelancing. where I went. Yeah, exactly. Thinking about um, it, he never mentions the handbook of the recently deceased. Like he doesn't bring it up or anything like that, or make a joke about it at all. Mm-mm. He maybe he predates it. We don't know. He's kind of a he's kind of the shortcut, right? Like he's yeah. trying to offer a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. He's described as a demon in some of the earlier script straps, script straps, scrap drifts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's nope. exactly what you call him. More vowels, mm-hmm. please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are going to talk about who the hell he is at some point, right? I don't want to jump ahead, but well, oh, let's this is, do it. This is where yeah. we meet him for the first time. So yeah, let's uh-huh. go there. What is he? Who is he? Do you think he's dead? Was he ever alive? Was he ever a human? Or is he a demon or a ghoul and always mm-hmm. has been? He did study at Juilliard and Harvard. He did. And he was witness to the plague as well. Yeah. So, and some, the many other truths he tells, quote unquote. Yeah. If he's a reliable narrator, and there's a huge if there, yeah. um, then he's probably a thousand years old or so. The Black Death would have been about, about a thousand-ish, I think. And we can presume that he committed suicide. He mentions that, he, doesn't he? I don't know. How, how do we know that? I feel like we all know that, but I can't figure out how that is in my head. It's. I think it's more of a fandom thing, but with Otho's joke that if you commit suicide, you become a civil servant. Yes, because he. Yes, that's what he worked for Juno. So there's a supposition that he. Yeah. Uh huh. And so yeah, and so Juno may we don't know about Juno. She smoked herself to death. I don't know if that's suicide or not. No, did you not like the the mo like the first well the one of the unsettling scenes where like she takes a drag on a cigarette and then. It the, it exhales through the slit in her yeah. neck. Yep. Hmm. Like throat. I was like, oh, I just caught that. Uh, and so is the, she a suicide person as well? She- we we're presuming that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there's there's evidence. There's some evidence and more fandom theory that anyone who commits suicide is made into a civil servant, and so that's what happened to her. Someone somewhere suggested that Beetlejuice drank himself into a stupor and hanged himself. Yeah. But I don't know how they reached that conclusion. I mean, do you like that? Like, I, I like have a hard time thinking he was ever human in a way. Maybe it's just been so long that he's lost touch with it. Like, I kind of, because everything he says is untrue. Like you're saying, yeah. he's a very unreliable narrator. So some some notes from earlier scripts that aren't him describing himself, describe him as a demon or as a high spirit. Hmm. He may be something else. He's very powerful in the movie and hmm. like insanely powerful in the cartoon he's like mm. he's like robin uh-huh. williams level of powerful in 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 the cartoon series incredibly powerful the only thing that binds him is his name mm-hmm. but i don't think the series the tv series is necessarily canon it's a very different tone than the movie <laughs> but oh come on 
But that, that is, there's kind of suggestion that he might be a demon or a spirit of some sort that is not right. a dead human. I, we don't really the know. The main thing seems like, like, I'm trying to think of any other examples I can think of, of deceased humans who have that rule around their name. Like, he can't say his own name. You got to say it three times. Like, that's yeah. so otherworldly. And it's, that's, yeah, it's obviously his real name because yeah. that's how you control him. Mm-hmm. That's like the Rumpelstiltskin yeah. gambit. Yeah, totally. And Rumpelstiltskin was another name of the devil, so we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he could be, maybe he is something like a fallen angel or some very powerful yeah. ancient thing. That's what I want to believe anyway. Okay. And uh, so, Juna, Juna does say that they had to bind him, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know, this may be me just kind of going, reaching, but the star Beetlejuice is at the center of the winter hexagon. Mm-hmm. So we're in the center of winter, the town's winter river, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so maybe, maybe uh-huh. he was actually bound there. Literally, probably not. That He, he doesn't seem like an American thing. And also, uh, it is generally considered to be an isolated and runaway star. So it's not associated with any star forming region and its birthplace is unclear. There you go. Mm. Sounds like I'm in. I think let's just say that's true. Let's just say that's exactly. And also he's the shoulder, but is it the mistranslation? Yeah. Yeah. But also it's mistranslated to armpit of the central one. So he's more of the, the, the character is more of an armpit than the arm, right? That adds up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An armpit making fart noises. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Pretty nasty. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the film wants you to believe anything other than he's a very powerful ghost, though. Like, I think on the surface, that's like the, the simplest reading and the one that, that the actually created versions tends to roll with. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we get into sort of a Dereden element of, is there any meaning that the author, is there a thorough intent? Is that meaningful? I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things. Either the scriptwriters were absolute geniuses and slipped in every reference, which made perfect sense, or they were just spewing out garbage and hoping it was, you know, entertaining. Maybe a little from column A, a little from column B. No, it's it's one or the other. Oh, see, Liz, you might have something to say about that. that. Yeah. (laughs) It's all blended. Maybe it's this collective unconscious that, you know, these things can't help but come through as symbolic and metaphoric, right? Even if you didn't mean it. It So is it -hmm. it the author's intent or the reader's reception? Yes. Hmm. (laughs) No, no, no. no, That was an if-or question. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I know who's winning. (laughs) oh so this brings me to another one of my random questions as i try to fit everybody into the egyptian afterlife whether it works or not if we accept that juice demon is kind of a trickster figure or a figure of chaos um definitely is, is he sort of in line with seth um, he, he could be, but okay. I feel like Tim Burton would have had some, a bigger joke about the, the sandworms if that was the case. Okay. And maybe a dog's head. Yeah, well, no, Seth, Seth was a thing. He wasn't a dog. Either. Oh, that's right. Right, right. He was a Seth animal. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's in the name. Uh-huh. But also it could be like, a, there's some Loki in there as well. Definitely. So I want to say no, because if we look okay. at the classic tricksters. Seth, Loki, Cocapelli, the one spider dude I can never pronounce. Um, mm. Kylie. Ask Peter Parker. 
<laughs> yes. All of these tricksters, <laughs> all of these tricksters are tricksters with the intent of encouraging humanity at their own expense, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to trick you. You're going to laugh. Oh, look, here's fire. You're welcome, right? Mm -hmm. Beetlejuice had his own goals at, at heart. Like he wasn't trying to make their lives better and also have some fun, you know, making them uncomfortable. Yeah. Very much not a, a trickster sort of role. More, more because it's too self-serving. Yeah, more devilish, yeah. like very destructive. Yeah. Ooh, can I wait, make one more just far-flung um, no. connection? Moving on. <laughs> so, to your point, Jamin, about all of these different cultural tricksters, have you guys ever seen the kosher uh, Hopi figure? It's a clown, the Hopi clown that. No. You should look it up because it is. It looks like Juice Demon. Ooh. It's Can, a stripy, stripy Kachina doll, and mm. again, a cultural trickster figure within the within the Hopi culture. You'll be uh, proud of me. I just misspelled clown twice while looking this up. <laughs> so I'll tell you how to spell it. Uh, it's C L O W N. <laughs> no, I, I got there. I got there. I, I've got the the page loaded up. He's very. Okay. Oh wow, that's that's. Whoa! Just describe yeah. for the audience, please. It is a um. Well, Jamin, you're looking at it right now. Please describe. And, and I don't know if Liz, if you looked that up too. Yeah. So if you just go to Google Images, K O S H A R E, mm -hmm. it is a grotesque figure with horizontal black and white stripes. Oh. Some sort of antenna, or, or possibly, corn or possibly like a bifurcated corn. hat. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like grotesque face markings. This hmm. is this is if this wasn't like key in, source is, material. Yeah, in his DNA somewhere. I yeah, I can't like I I when the minute I saw that doll that that figure, I was like oh. That has to be, but yeah. I cannot find any connection. So maybe it's just like lucky. Maybe it's just lucky, <laughs> you know? While, while we're Googling this, Victoria, I've been enjoying yes. the running joke, but what the hell do you mean by juice demon? <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I most enjoy about the spirit Halloween store mm -hmm. is their off-brand costumes, the ones that <laughs> they couldn't pay licensing for. So you get things like Creepy Husband, which is a Gomez Adams. Oh, that's delightful. <laughs> and I don't even know if this is a spirit branded costume, but there is a legit Beetlejuice costume called Juice Demon. Okay. And we will have to post it in the show notes. Live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. So phase three, uh, we draw a door. Lydia sees the Maitlands. We have an audience with Juno for the first time. We see the waiting room. And arguably the most, the one, one scene everybody remembers from this movie, the Deo scene. So a lot of the kind of really sterling moments of the movie are kind of in this middle phase where the supernatural is starting to encroach on the real world. Uh, this is where I find time to be very confusing. This is where we see the deconstructed house and another shot of the exterior is finished, that sort of thing. So it, it starts to get very topsy-turvy. What about that song, Deo? What's the Deo? significance of it? 
Um, How do you interpret that? Well, Harry Belafonte's soundtrack runs throughout the entire mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and Calypso, there's, there's, I mean, I feel like that you could make some connection between Death and Calypso if you wanted to. But I think mostly it kind of shows that the Maitlands are kind of a little backwater, like <laughs> the American folk revival and the, and Harry Belafonte. That was that was very 50s, 60s, 70s period. And so they're clearly not with it. So they're they're bringing in some fairly homey music to bear when they uh, try and scare people off. And it doesn't work when they when they started the the beginning, right? The beginning scenes, they're just singing along to the, the radio. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, let's build this character and embrace this character. These are the kind of people that like this kind of music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, they're, they're bringing their faith. It's, it's them manifesting in their yeah. own thing. Yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. I think I really like kept hearing that line in of daylight come and I want to go home mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. like a death thing, you know, or a ghost thing or whatever. But that idea of like daylight coming and I want to go home, you know, well, to and- death. Or yeah. something. Endless, of that. endless toil does seem to be kind of yeah. their lot in some ways. So yeah. I think and the, the spider. Yeah. And the drink of rum, that's like a kind of common, like sacrificial image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and there was a spider yeah. at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. true, true, true. A tarantula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have always loved Harry Belafonte. And so I kind of just associate it with people that like kind of an, your grandma's music sort of thing. I noticed that when they had the haunting scene with the with the shrimp cocktail and things like that, like if that had happened to me, I feel like I would, you know, be telling people that for the rest of my life. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. artsy types that they brought with them to the house, they just bug out and say, "Oh, we don't that that's nonsense. We move on." That's another place where maybe this is more like fairyland, where the images kind of fade out of people's minds very quickly. Mm. So this entire this house may be a really liminal space, like on the edges of the mm-hmm. the fairyland borders. And only people that are like steeped in the energy there can really kind of remember and understand it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I would buy that for mm. sure. I will have to say, like, <laughs> now that I've watched it again, it's been a while. I was a little put off by the kind of homophobic yes, co- comment, and also the non, the lack of empathy for people with depression. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. it's kind of like oh ouch i forgot about that what was the homophobic yeah. bit i missed it oh and he says he was a um he was a para parapsychologist mm-hmm. or paranormal researcher or something he mm-hmm. he, he said and she she says oh is that what you're you're what is it is that what you people are calling yourselves now <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually didn't get that but yeah mm-hmm. i think that might just be kind of generic freak reference to maybe i don't know Let's hope. <laughs> okay, okay. As someone who loves, as someone who loves Leslie Nielsen, and can never watch a single movie because they're just so terrible, uh-huh. I, I live by the rule: you can't judge the past by the standards of the present. Hmm. Yes, it was terrible. Did they know any better? No, but we, eventually we all learned. Well, you still got to call it out, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's. It's it's complicated. It's I mean, complicated. if we're going to go there, we could talk about Beetlejuice's inappropriate behavior that some of which is still really funny and some of which is like, that's actually not funny. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. very, very cool. I still love yeah. him, but mm. yeah. he's, he's a, he's gropey and yeah. in the original. Great. So he wouldn't play it that way today. Creepy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he's Do still we, marrying an underage girl. 
So yeah. it's a little Jerry Lee Lewis. He's kind of Jerry. He's Jerry Lee Lewis. Let's just say that. Dated. Or, or Ted Nugent. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, so Barbara Maitland backstory theory. He was a dance instructor. I mean, okay. she's, she's super duper elegant and moves really well. And like her, her rapid glare and like her control of her body language is really strong. Mm. But also how else do they know how to like force six people into choreography and like bring in merengue elements and calypso elements and things like that too. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just just throwing that out there, I can't really draw anything from it, but. I was wondering that too. Like how did they choose? Cause like most people would just do the kind of like, Mm -hmm. but this was very, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> everybody <laughs> i was waving my hands in the air like i just don't care um, she didn't care but i barbara, did not care barbara's like piercing glare she uses that look like four times in the movie and it was it, it got to be very striking to me like when she looks surprised she'd like glare at the camera with like these very sharp features and like her body language is really good it's true yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely yeah, I, I think of her eyes and her mouth too. Like, I mean, her <laughs> eyes and her glare and like her her other look. You know, that's so focused on the eyeballs and poking out her eyeballs and something about her her gaze. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, still one of my laugh out loud moments is when Adam, like after she changes, he lifts up his hands with his eyes to, to look at her <laughs> <laughs> eyeballs on his fingers. Yeah, that was charming. It's so cute. <laughs> so we, we see the waiting room after they draw a door. It's it's just sort of purgatory sort of thing. Um, the bodies of the dead kind of bear the scars which they died with. And like this overwhelming sense of bureaucracy and endless, endless gray waiting. This is kind of shale here. Um, we also get a lot of repetitions of the joke of like suicides become civil servants there. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Miss Argentina. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> is she, if we think about, again, I'm going back to the Egyptian uh, afterlife, but if you think about the, I think it was, I don't know if it was the Book of Gates or one of the, like maybe before the Book of Gates, but one of the steps is that you have to beg for an audience with Thoth. Okay. And so, okay. is she Thoth? Because She's kind of the gatekeeper there, or is Juno Thoth, or what is Miss? Because she is kind of a gatekeeper figure and a bureaucrat. So, mm-hmm. and so is Juno, but she's the most kind of like you have to fill out the forms, you have to have your little, you know, what are they the vouchers for your visits, mm-hmm. and you have to read the book. And she, so she feels gatekeepery, like in her role, she she ushers people into the back room where we see kind of the, the chaos behind her, but like she's, she's a guardian. She's, she's a receptionist type person. That's, that's very gatekeepery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't report to well, pres- mm-hmm. well, the entire bureaucracy probably, I mean, Juno is a caseworker. She's not the caseworker. Mm. So I think she just reports to the system or, or nobody. She just does this forever and never receives positive evaluations on her feedback form. <laughs> I, I know I'm a stick in the mud. But honestly, it was a writer's meeting. Lunch was coming up. We were all getting kind of tired. And it's like, well, what if? Well, what if she had big hair? Well, what if she was green? What if What if this? And it's like, all right, everyone agree? Great. Let's break for lunch. Right? Well, the green is clearly a reference to Osiris. <gasps> is it? No. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Look, today's lunch is tuna mac. 
I don't have time for this. Let's get this character on the paper. Uh, <laughs> just laziness, huh? Yes. That's no fun, Jamin. Yeah. That's my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> no fun, Jamin. <laughs> this, this reminds me of, and this makes me think of sure, all the yes. other aspects in the waiting room zone in that realm, right? So they're in the waiting room and they pop out into the hallway, which also reminded me of the, the recent Loki series, right? How they kind of, it's all about hallways, which is part of the bureaucracy, obviously, but there's a lot more to explore there. And we just get the waiting room and kind of the hallway and they have to find their own door. And I think like, remember, it's the fifth one or the sixth one or something well, to get I, back to the house. Yeah. And they thought they were going to meet with Juno, but they didn't realize they were going back home through that back route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's other possibilities, right? Like, is the waiting room just for kind of the every man, every woman kind of most of us go through there, but then there's like, yeah, the suicide folks who maybe then have to become civil servants. And then that awful window that just has like a tiny moment. They like pull the shade on it. Oh, and they're just the, like people that have died twice. Lost, lost souls. souls. Have you seen Albert Finney's version of Scrooge or the Christmas Carol? Mm, it's great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I've seen that one over and over again. It's a musical, which is delightful, but there's a scene where um, Jacob Marley is, is whisking Scrooge through the heavens and, the souls of the dead look very much like that. See the mm. spirits all around you. They astound you. I can tell those inhabitants of hell. Oh, it's a oh, great God. scene. And it's that kind of like campy ghost. And this, this, this movie is willfully campy. Like that's a known thing about it. Sure. So I, I mean, maybe he might've been like kind of referencing that. I don't know. But they looked very, that's that same tragic, attenuated, wispy. Yeah. Right. Wraith They're not state. having the fun time that Beetlejuice and the Maitlands are having. Like right. A whole other state of existence. Well, it is, if that's, <laughs> death, that's death for the dead. What happens after 125 years? We don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty grim. That's one of the grimmer moments, I would say. Like, well, in a, lo- a lot of other movies like Coco and things like that have kind of suggested that when this is a Hollywood idea, clearly, but when like the last person forgets you, then you fade out. Yeah. yeah. So maybe who said maybe that? It's not um, a Hollywood idea. Uh, totally, it's 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 in, it's in Coco. But isn't that like a, a Egyptian thing too? For connecting to Egypt, it's like as long as you say my name, I'm remembered, and like we're still saying King Tut, so he's immortal, right? Or Pla- is Plato the one with the candles on the far side of the wall and the cave allegory? Um, that, that's not candles, but like the shadows. That is Plato. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, shadows the on the wall. Allegory. No, there's one where like you carry a light into the darkness, and a few heroes. Mm-hmm reach the far side of the wall where they're where they live forever but most mm. people travel into the dark and then their lights fade out eventually uh, the clay cave allegory no it's not the cave it's a different one it's different again yeah, it different, sounds like terry pratchett yeah yeah <laughs> terry pratchett remembrance, right yeah some of us um, are just forgotten shades and some of us are remembered forever because we're right. still saying your name yeah gaze ye mighty upon my works and despair <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the next oh, chunk. Oh, sorry. Can I can sure. I say one more thing about Egypt? Please. Okay. I swear I'm gonna run out of little Egypt factoids at some point. Um, Gasp. But I'm glad that Liz brought up the lost souls uh, because again, this is one of those places where I thought, okay, this connects to Egypt, and so I think in the uh movie they call it he refers to ghosts who have been exercised so t- i think we're led to believe that at the end that's what's happening to um to adam and barbara yeah. um but so in the coffin text uh the coffin texts 
there's spells in there that um, allow the deceased to protect themselves against the dangers of that and oh. of dying a second death. And so what that means is separation from Osiris. Osiris. Hmm. So, yeah. And so it also translates, like, there are a lot of Christian, like Judeo-Christian ideas about that. The second death is separation from Yahweh, God, hmm. other faiths have that. It's rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it takes us back to the inferno. No. Oh. oh. And of course we have the, you know, the burlesque, club dante's oh inferno. dante's inferno yeah that was uh-huh. that was charming uh-huh. that was juno's idea she said <laughs> my, so herself that's my, true. she did that's sign, right that's right uh-huh. the sign outside right? the sign outside says live girls so i'm not sure what that means oh that's so funny i hadn't really <laughs> paid attention to that <laughs> but i right yeah they do they're they little did. demon girls that'd be a good halloween costume no one's ever done that before. No, never, never. Um, I have to say my dad sets up a little Christmas village every year. Mm-hmm. And every year that I wish that, that I had time to make a tiny little version of that and slip it in his village. But I think you can also buy them. So one of these, I'm going to get one of those and kind of like slip it in to see this, if he notices. Is this the movie that set you on your love of dioramas? No, well... Hmm, that's a very good question. I need to think about that. I'm not I'm I have to think about where that love came from. Or you don't have a starting point? I think it's always been there. Whoa. I have to think back about this, like where the love of dioramas came from. But yeah, I love a natural history museum. The older the diorama, the better. <laughs> nice. nice. I love them all. Uh-huh. Oh boy, you guys are really a couple of spooksters, aren't you? <laughs> now. Let's turn on the juice and see what shapes loose. We'll phase into part four of the movie, Crossing the Threshold. Here, reality starts to really kind of melt down. Um, but I think the first step of this phase is the Dietzes enter the attic. So they cross into the ghost's territory. Otho takes the book out of the attic and brings it downstairs. At this point, Beetlejuice can truly affect the mortal realm. He starts to cast like some big workings and summons the serpent version of himself. Juno gives her dire warning of like bad things are going to happen. It's really starting to get real at this point. And I think we start to get to the point where everybody's aware they're in a haunting situation. Like that is inescapable at this point. And there's another Juno moment in here that I, I found very weird Mm -hmm. when we're in her office with the football players behind her and things like that. There's, there's a window looking in and there's an audience looking in. And they're eating popcorn like they're in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. That was very strange to me. Mm-hmm. I I wish you'd pointed it out to me because I missed that entirely. I, I through the blinds, right? Like you open the window. Yeah, yeah. But but there's like eight people arranged in a neat row. They're wearing kind of stylized costumes that make them pop a little bit more. And one of them is clearly eating popcorn or something. Mm. Like one of them snackies. looks kind of like Otho, right? Like he's wearing kind of like a suit and the others are a little bit more like like skeletal or obviously uh-huh. dead or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If it's meant to be that, but it reminded me of him. Go on. Are they yeah. watching from the other side? Are they us? Are they us? I, th- there's a, that's a deep one. Are we us? There's Probably a, not. There's, I think, a medieval conception of like the rewards of the blessed, which is the concept of abominable fancy, which is that one of the pleasures of the blessed is to watch the suffering of the damned. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe people watch the bureaucracy channel when they're bored, which <laughs> I feel would not help them in their boredness, but it would be something. And it's like the city council there, right? meetings. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. So kind of a like a necrotic Truman show sort of thing happening there. Mm-hmm. Necrotic Truman show. People just like to people like to watch the Juno reality show and uh, her clients suffering. Yeah, yeah, right. They just be glad they're not on the other side. Yeah, it's, but it's a really weird, surreal, like like postage stamp sized bit, and I mm-hmm. did not know quite what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's easy to miss. Yeah, apparently. I've heard about that too. Yeah, because I remember seeing, I remember that from long ago, and just kind of like, okay, that's weird, but I didn't really like try to you know think too hard about it. But after yeah. you said that, I really focused on it. Right, right. Like why, why? Yeah. But there, I mean, there's a lot of strange magic in the neither world, and maybe this is some aspect of it. We don't, we don't really know. Uh-huh. We don't really know. Like in the movie, there's nothing good beyond the afterlife. Like it's you don't get into like the Asphodel Meadows until you're hitting the TV series, which again is not really canon at this point. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. There maybe this maybe what the dead do for fun. Yeah, <laughs> is there is your sense like that this world is like like the 125 year mark, right? That we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Like what happens then, right? Do you do you disappear? Do you move on to a better place? You move on to a worse place? Like you don't ever really know, yeah. right? Like what's next? Well, Beetlejuice is not really moored to anything. He's clearly able to manifest in other places. So yeah. maybe you just stop having to haunt the one location. Mm-hmm. Like that's your trial period, and then um, you're able to kind of manifest elsewhere. Maybe at the risk of losing track of time and things like that, as you're in the underworld. Yeah. But Be- Beetlejuice and and Juno can clearly appear in different places and exist outside their their pre-established manifestation right. parameters. It's exhausting though, right? You never get to just rest. You just go, go, go forever. Well, we don't know about death either. Like there may be a beyond. Be the beyond the beyond. Beyond the beyond. Hmm. Mm. 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 <laughs> I had another question about there's this weird moment with Juno again where she says, let's see, I wrote it down when when they're back at the house and uh, they're complaining. And, and she says, well, I don't know. Things seem pretty quiet here. You should thank God you didn't die in Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I, I assume they had like loud family funerals. I thought that was so strange. Because I, I tried to like, okay, so what does that mean? I was trying to look it up, but I couldn't. <laughs> what was find going anything. on in Italy in 1988? I don't know, but yeah, that was a bizarre. <laughs> yeah. bizarre <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe again, it's one of those regrettable lines like, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have said that. I don't know, yeah. but but it those stood Italians. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what they're like. Beetlejuice. 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 It's showtime. So at this point, we start to wrap up the movie in the kind of the call to action phase. Otho develops a plan. They perform the exorcism. Beetlejuice manifests in this world. Reality completely breaks down and hijinks ensue. And this is kind of the the final wrap-up. Beetlejuice commits a double homicide in this scene. That's kind of exciting. He launches the artist friends through the roof and they never return. Oh, gosh, right. They don't? 
<laughs> they don't. And we have no reason to believe that Beetlejuice would be anything other than horrible to them. Well, they're probably just in the waiting room or something, right? I mean, dead, sure, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they may show up. That? They may show up elsewhere. They're haunting New York at that point. Yeah, he says. He says I'm a bioexorcist, not a something something. <laughs> like another Star Trek reference. A little bit. <laughs> like and he's like, I really like what the line was. He was like, "Damn it, a bioexorcist, <laughs> not a torpedo surgeon." <laughs> Domin caught a line that I completely missed over the like twenty times I've seen this film. Beetle just looks at the Maitlands when he kind of takes them off of the spell and he says, I think they've had enough exercise. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that either. I didn't yeah. either. It's good. He kind of saves them, right? Yeah. He does. He yeah, does. He, he, he does. He does, you know, complete his contract, certainly. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. they, they do kind of restore after this. The Maitlands and the... If you haven't seen Beetlejuice, in this scene, the, ma the, the main character Maitlands are summoned up during a ritual. And the ritual is one of my favorite things in the movie um i've used it like over and over again in various references and they kind of start aging and withering and turning into those lost souls uh and it can't be stopped once it starts the process but beetlejuice has a lot of power and is able to kind of pull them down mm -hmm. so the the poem for the ritual exorcism is from thomas lowell beddoes a poem called voices in the air oh i didn't know it was a legit poem yeah tim burton really likes this guy he's oh. an 1800s poet that died of gay as far as i know like he, he kind of pined away and his his life is filled with like searching for death and he becomes a surgeon and tries to find out where the soul goes afterwards and things like that he's really like tied into like death culture at the time um oh i'm <laughs> i can't believe i don't know about this guy well the poetry did you say or what was the period i think he's uh 1850 ish England. okay yeah, so like around the Victorian era, if not specifically during. Mm. Very purple poetry, really, but mm. um, but very dreamlike imagery as well. Looking him up. Mm -hmm. 1803 to 1849. Mm -hmm. So it's a real ritual. It's a real poem. Well, it's, 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 um, it's kind of a s strange spiritual image. He, he had a, a connection to Coleridge, so that might have kind of fed into his, his literary ancestry. His father was a friend of Coleridge. Cool. And a minister, which will do things to you. Yes. He, he he was like Emily Dickinson. He wrote and wrote and wrote and never published. Oh, interesting. Thomas Lavelle Beddoes, B-E-D-D-O-E-S. Okay. Mm -hmm. Links in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Thank you. The, the more you know. The link I'm going to list you is phantomwooer.org. Right. Phantom woo-wooer? Wooer, like the wooer. one who woos. Okay, is that... But one a... who is not truly corpescent? Mm. Corpescent? Corporeal? Corporeal? What is, cor what is corpescent? Uh, that's another word for it's corporeal. Word. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got some letters right. Give me a break. <laughs> you get a point for every letter you got right. Another, another place where this, where um, I think the Egyptian influence in this film comes in is a lot of stuff, a lot of portals open in the very top of the building, in the top of the house. And from what I remember, the top of the pyramid was where you built the connection between the land of the living and the land of the dead. So maybe that's why we have a tower in the first place. You need that like high up lofty place to reach out to the divine. That makes sense. Okay. And this is the only time when we have 
Beetlejuice, same scale as everybody else, right? Where he's like in the same plane. Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're right. Um, form, anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, he's not in the movie very much at all. Like for the title yeah. character, he's only in in like ten or fifteen minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Makes his mark. He doesn't really thought about that. Well, it's kind of a horror movie thing too. You don't really see the monster until the very end. Mm-hmm. And like the end scene has a lot of like it's it's clear that at least within the the, defi- the boundaries of the house. Like the land of the living and the land of the dead are completely one and the same because, like, mm-hmm. we don't we don't know how it's left. It like it doesn't need explanation, but Barbara is able to from Saturn ride a worm through something through up through upstairs where the portal might be, maybe through the door they drew <laughs> down to eat mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, then step nimbly away, and Beetlejuice can open like a gate to pull someone in from the other side at this point there's like no difference between the realms and this is when the deets can finally see the maitlands too right right After everybody happens like hello yeah everybody can see everybody they can all the connect like, yeah and i don't know what happens to otho does he he just m- must run away he gets I think he does. a bad outfit right they give him a he'll just gives him a bad polyester suit or something yeah like a, a leisure shoot moment and he <laughs> splits that makes that makes sense i guess he just runs away I was just so struck by Beetlejuice being like a real, quote unquote, all of a sudden, like in the same space. Like it just really struck me because he'd been like, you know, tiny and like not really on camera with anybody else when you think about it. Right. Until that moment. And suddenly he's like present in this really like visceral, physical way. It's like, oh, my God, he's like really in your face. And like, does he have to marry a mortal in order to kind of gain his full power? Is that what he's doing there? I mean, that's that's very much implied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems, release him yeah it seems like like saying his name three times there you have to have intent with it so like you can banish him with that mm-hmm. you can take yourself to his realm with that and lydia deliberately calls him into this world by, by doing that as well because she's trying to manifest him mm-hmm. i mean would you marry him if you're in that situation be honest i i i i i i it's a demonic pact. I mean, that's kind of what we're up against. And it's a really bad idea to do that under duress. <laughs> or any other time. <laughs> well, and we're getting into sort of a strange, like, um, the myth of Orpheus sort of situation. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. like you're married, like the dead and the living having to combine. Right. It's like right. a Hades Persephone thing, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah, that's fair. If he's kind of a lord of the neither world, at least, if not the underworld. And she's a young maiden. Oh, okay. I thought about yeah, that. I can, doctor. Yep. I can buy mm-hmm. that. But I mean, it could be cool. I mean, it's bad. I mean, of course it's bad, but it could be uh-huh. kind of exciting too. He's got his red velvet suit and everything. It's like, what kind of power would she get if right. she hooked up with him? It's kind of like every goth girl's dream, right? Right. right. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but he's not good <laughs> no well, he's not cute it's not like you know angel cute. or spike well that's true. <laughs> that's true. he's charismatic <laughs> that's true uh, I, I wouldn't marry angel but spike i don't maybe, maybe. it's maybe i mean she she obviously does not like him and she doesn't want to be bound into that so she's fighting it. She only that was a she she broke the contract because yeah. she agreed to marry him for this power to, to save the Dietzes. And that may be the only the the Maitlands. That may have been the only way to do that. I wonder if it's his like murder of the two artsy types mm-hmm. that really triggers her into like a full on flight thing because like he's, she kind of sees how callously he treats the living. And maybe that's a trigger 
for her to kind of get back and get away as fast as she can. Or maybe she never intended to marry him in the first place. That is the way these things tend to operate. Mm-hmm. Crossing mm-hmm. her fingers. So she, she didn't like what was happening, but she agreed to it. Yes. And it wasn't, I mean, it was everyone else trying to fight. Like, um, Barbara said it twice and then got the steel over her face. Everyone was fighting for her. And it wasn't until we had a truck driven into his foot, comically, that she got away, right? Yeah. Like, this is what she could be bound. So it's, this isn't, she, may, she may not have liked it, but she wasn't fighting. And it's kind of like the whole. Well, she tried to say his name. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. She, she wasn't into it, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like good fairy logic at this point. Like the rule, she broke a rule and mm. this, the, and she broke a contract with somebody who did provide the services he agreed to. Um, he was, he was very good about that. Like he, first thing he did, he saved the Maitlands. Mm. Mm-hmm. So He's not I evil. He's mischievous. Uh, in, in the oldest versions of the scripts, it's much more monstrous. And I mean, I assume that the final version of the script, like, still contains some of the DNA from the first, first and second drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, seeing again, seeing that he just offed two people, probably that may make him more monstrous. If it wasn't a comedy, that would be a generous, a, a completely monstrous act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true because we don't see their bodies ever. So they just <laughs> go <can> up. <laughs> that's right, and so maybe they're okay. But yeah, the assumption is that they're probably pretty messed up at the very least. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, what is what is death? I mean, the Maitlands are dead, but they're huh? fine. Yeah, Jesus is dead, but he's like living life. You know, like, is it is it so bad? Like, I don't think he has the same concept of death. No, as we but do. but there's there's right. a clue though. Um, Lydia says. I want to be where you are. And he says, why? Mm. Like it's very sharp and to the point. Mm. Like I, there, there is a lot of evidence that death is very dull. Mm. Um, as it happens, the Maitlands are very dull as well. So they're, maybe they're for it. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Beetlejuice is yeah. like the Maitlands. Beetlejuice is like bound to an area. There's, he's, there's something restraining him. Mm-hmm. I have boring. to say, I just realized that their lives post death were essentially COVID lockdown. <laughs> oh, yes, right. hitting home. Wow. <laughs> wow. Because they're just kind of in their attic room, sort of, you know, half heartedly working on the models and mm-hmm. trying to dust obsessively. <laughs> <laughs> Not actively suffering, but. Waving at people from the windows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The parable mm-hmm. for our times. Yeah. Where did all the did he, where did all the Dietz's stuff go? Like, are they sharing the house in some way? Yeah. Or is the entire thing restored to like a nicer, shinier version of what it was in the first scene? Mm-hmm. The lighting is brighter, so it's clearly a happy ending. Is and it's also implied by the music as well. So it's a it's a it's a positive ending. But yeah, like I feel like the. Dietz's might have gotten a little bit shortchanged by the deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they don't get to have their own house. Like they're having, they're having to cohabitate now. Right. Right. At least that's kind of, maybe we're just seeing like the, the mother-in-law plan thing. And this is the, the Maitland side. And they got, they got free babysitting as well. Yeah. But, and uh, someone, someone points out that like Lydia becomes their daughter, which they could never have. So that's kind of mm-hmm. nice. That's referenced early on, right? That they're like, we'll try again to have a baby. Right, right, right. Like, that's a little pain they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But aren't the Dietz's like, she's making sculptures of Beetlejuice's like snake self. And yeah. he's like reading the book of the, the recently deceased. So they're like 
their minds are expanded. Like I think right, and there's a, open to it. Yeah, <laughs> and one of the like background images on the wall, there's a like a Time magazine. Delia Dietz, uh, The Art of the Dead sort of thing. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. catch that. That's nice. No, that's probably her morbid anatomy lecture. <laughs> there you go. Right? They're happy as can be now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They're wow. better off because they were like snarky New Yorkers, right? Moving out to the country and now they've found some different kind of spiritual awakening or something out there. Yeah. Maybe they've let New York, maybe actually, maybe they uh, they actually converted that building into the into a gallery or something like that. That Dad had designs to remodel certain parts of the town, too. Who knows? He's never had a bad idea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe like a spiritual center, you know, instead of a theme oh, park yeah. or whatever he was working on. It's like, come to upstate New York or wherever they are. <laughs> Connect with the dead. Are there other endings you would have preferred to see or that someone would have preferred to see? It was a happy ending overall, don't you think? It was very bright and cheerful. And I don't think it necessarily lent itself to a sequel. Like it was a clean ending that you don't get in, in standard horror movies at all. It was very, this is resolved. We don't yeah. know what was resolved, how it was resolved, but like, here's okay. the, here's the feeling of this movie is over and it's been resolved. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, it was the, a very intentional kind of closure. Yeah. 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 It was, it was bright, positive. There was no dun, dun, dun at the end. The Maitlands were doing what they wanted to do forever, which is just, you know, putter for all of eternity. So it, it let them be like in a more positive place, but still doing the kind of the the low maintenance thing you kind of expect of the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of a weird status quo. Right. With Belfonte. What about Beetlejuice? I mean, he's like at the end of the line, right? He has like five, you know, some huge number. So he's going to be hanging out in the waiting room for eternity. With a tiny head. With a tiny <laughs> head. <laughs> well, do you know about what one of the planned sequels was? No. So <laughs> I'm glad this never happened. <laughs> Me too. It's, oh, is it's it very... the Aloha thing? Yes, yes. <laughs> What? <laughs> do you want to do you want to say more about that, Liz? You know more than I do, but was it like Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian or something yeah. like that? <laughs> like okay. an Elvis movie? <laughs> that sounds dreadful. Sounds awful, right? <laughs> but the whole idea, like Tim Burton wanted to see the um the kind of uh just crazy clash that would occur with Hawaii, this kind of bright Hawaiian palette and spectacle with this german expressionism of the beetlejuice <laughs> style and but i guess i think the story was that the Dietzes. i mean it's very schitt's creek actually the Dietzes go down to hawaii to check on one of their properties and whilst there they get in trouble with some demons so they have to summon beetlejuice to come and deal with their <laughs> demon issue mm-hmm. that seems oh. ill-advised but i guess they didn't have access to the maitlands there no, the other one, the one that Warren Scarin was working on was, I don't want to say it three times, so I'm going to use the juice demon again, in love. And so this one had something to oh, do. God. This one was complete, like it was out of the universe. So it was new characters, but with mm. our good friend. And he was mm. sort of trying to be like a matchmaker of some kind. Well, that seems so. doomed to failure. <laughs> it really does. Like, I mean, it's kind of weekend at Bernie's-ish. It makes the but. cartoon sound better. <laughs> it really, really does. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, in some sick, sick way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know. It's really a standalone. Yeah. Just let, <laughs> let it lie. Let it be. Unless this new one is going to be good. I don't know. Is it going to be like it where it's kind of like, okay, it picks up with 
the kids in adulthood? And um, oh. maybe we've got uh, Lydia's kids kind of manifesting their own psychic whatever whatevers, like the Ghostbusters revival film from three years ago or so. Mm. Um, that mm-hmm. seems to be like a standard way to bridge a full generational gap like that, or maybe two generations at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive, but I do, do we hopes. Do we know what role Depp is playing? No, I, I mean, again, it's all rumor. It's all mm. conjecture. But because uh, if Tim Burton signs on, there's a high possibility that Johnny Depp would be too. Right, because... right. He's got his actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But given what's going on with Johnny Depp now or recently, who knows? So, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, do you think it held up? Like, do you enjoy watching it now? Or are you like, ah, this is great nostalgia, but. It was yeah. better than Hellraiser. <laughs> uh i i i liked i liked watching it again and i've seen this movie like every four or five years yeah Um, it's good i still enjoyed it i really did yeah increasingly i'm finding the pacing kind of like slow like the jokes Mm. don't it's it's got a lot of quiet pauses um Mm. a lot of transitional shots you know it's a it's a tight 90 minute movie basically but Mm -hmm. i think it lingers and people kind of futz around a little bit like it doesn't it doesn't move as frenetically as well the beetlejuice musical does for instance hmm. oh my gosh i watched a trailer for that or like it's a manic it really <laughs> but no I, I i you know i really did like it i liked it probably more than a lot of movies of that era that when i go back to them yeah Mm-hmm. Like the the one with the monsters under the bed, that was okay. But like Beetlejuice stands out from that from that genre of like supernatural, silly stuff. What what movie are you talking about? Monsters Inc. No, Howie Mandel plays oh, the monster under yes. the bed. Yes. What? It's like a kids movie, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a tweeny movie. What is that? What is that? And he's got little horns or fuzzy head or something. He's kind of monstery. Huh. But does not stand the test of time. It's not as a great little monsters. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's so funny. Cause I saw a little, when I was watching Beetlejuice that popped up as, you know, since Mm -hmm. I watch Beetlejuice, (laughs) I might want to watch this. And I had no idea what it was. It's what do they have in common really? Look and feel like that's, that's it. There's a certain level of like base physical humor in both. Mm -hmm. Beetlejuice was like probably an adult movie like yeah. i mean it was it was one of those that the that like young younger teens could watch and enjoy but i think it was like squarely aimed at people that could appreciate the cultural humor and things like that mm-hmm. whereas little monsters it's it's wish fulfillment it's it's kind of like boy meets monster under the bed they go and have fun adventures together but he realizes that the longer he's down there um the more he'll become a monster himself so he has to say goodbye uh, and drop dead fred was that contemporary as well that was yes, a, that was a good movie. That one I That's liked a lot. Rick Mayall. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he's a imaginary friend. Well, he's he's imaginary friend, but dead. <laughs> I rem- mm. I'm trying to because I was thinking about that earlier too. I think he's just imaginary friend because we meet a lot of other imaginary friends, and they're just kind of oddball people that dress right. Funny. Like there's no. There's no linking theme. Maybe they're dead. Maybe not. But hmm. mostly they're just silly. And I think the name Drop Dead Fred implies dead, but he's just, that's just a silly name. 
Oh my god, did you know the real darkness behind this? No. Okay, so uh nineteen it was made in nineteen ninety one. But it's <laughs> it's a fantasy comedy about an imaginary friend, which turns out to be about a woman's mental breakdown after years and years of emotional abuse. I I disagree. I remember that she has to bring back Drop Dead Fred after like as as a therapy sort of thing. Okay. Well that makes that's kind of in line with Yeah, it's not entirely out, but I think it it, it it's like a positive Babadook. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. That if would that, be. If that Bobby sentence makes friend. sense. It so doesn't. There's, there's a like weird. <laughs> She's doing the hands. She's doing the hands. <laughs> a Venn diagram of, uh, hmm. yeah. Whoa. Positive Babadook. Hmm. Well, Liz, I want to thank you for joining us Yay! in this little project. It's such a pleasure to work with you again yep. and again. To, to, see, again. to see you out of a non-morbid anatomy space. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's just I'm so pleased to be connected with the Dispatches community. I'm a big oh, fan. All three. Oh, we love you. Will you, will yeah, you tell you. your website again, but this time kind of spell it out maybe? Yes, it's Lilibet, like Queen Elizabeth's nickname. Uh-huh. L i l i b e t, sugar bones. Sugar bones, like spelling, like the candy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Love it. Look forward to announcing the first instance of your new podcast oh, when yeah. that comes out, which is hopefully <laughs> in you. the beginning of next year. That's a resolution. Hopefully, early New Year. Yes, that is a resolution. And moments like this help me need to stick to that. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. You said it, it out loud. loud. Uh-huh. Right. I'll say it one more time, three times. It will manifest hopefully yep. soon. Mm-hmm. As, I, I, and I'm glad you, you're doing this and seeing this and like we've all learned from others right yes. we've like all four of us have experience in in production and teaching and sharing before and so like, we all came in but it's definitely it's like there was a moment it's like we've hit our stride Nice. or more accurately there was a moment before it's like oh you hadn't hit your stride yet had you right and so it's like the the more we do this the more interaction we get it's great yeah yeah that is well said yeah the more you do the better you get the more confident you get exactly just grows yeah so thank you for letting me grow with you no yeah well thank you and uh dear dear listeners if you would care to visit our website dispatch.ist you can find more of our episodes and check the find us at drop down to meet us on various social medias and patreon until then, and to you, dear Liz, as well, we will see you in hell. Woohoo! Parte! Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice! Ah! Oh, she did it. Oh, damn This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. 